What's going on, good people? Welcome to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. We in the building. Um, we'll do a quick, um, a quick whip around. Uh, you know, in, in, in the person that's here, that's an extended hand, can introduce yeah. himself. Uh, in, in the time being, right? So, so breezy, what's happening, bro? How you doing? I'm good. As always, blessed, fed. I have a job. Uh, nobody has slapped me lately. I'm good, man. <laughs> I had a slap. Um, Charles, man, how you doing? What's going on? Man, uh, in Oakland, it's an emotional week. Some things ending here, but I'm still going to be in Oakland a lot. I'm just giving up one a, a spot that I used to be at, but still running my company out of here. And then had a, had a good week. Uh, Super producer and I put out an explainer around uh, – Chris and Will, but also for black boys across the country in K-12 schools, what we should look out for. And uh, that Nina Turner uh, interview finally came out. So I'm really excited about those two things and uh, looking forward to this this drive to Stockton tomorrow to, to, to do some work. That's what's up, man. Oh, uh, we got to – wait, hold up. Oh, yeah. Chris, check your messages when you can. What's happening, I, I need you to man? send something. Hey, hey, you, hey, you can tell, you can tell Murray, you can tell Murray, uh, he he used the nice things when I he think he the talent. You see how he pull up late and shit. You don't pull up late on the hands, baby. With a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Cornell, man, how you doing? Tell the people who you are. Yo, what's happening, fam? I'm so happy to be here. My name is Cornell Ellis, uh, co-founder, executive director, of Brothers Liberating Our Communities, the block, trying to increase number of black men in schools. I'm just happy to be here with y'all, man. Coming out of KC Mo, the town, you know how it is. Yeah. Hey, so I remember, man, when we uh we did a podcast uh in the back, not on the main stage, uh, <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in, in, in KC for Amplify, man, it was dope as hell. And when we got there, Reef made a call, right? He was like, "Hey, don't worry about no Uber, nothing like that. I'm about to make this call." He called Cornell, and hey, Cornell was our tour guide in Kansas City, and just like uh, the. The hospitality that he showed us, man, it was just it was so real, bro. I was just like, yo, I can't believe this. And like he took us around the town, showed us everything that was going on, how it was going down. And I was just like, man, I don't know who this dude's mother is, but like, <laughs> yo, somebody raised this dude right. And so and that feeling was just amazing. So I'm just I'm happy to be in community with you. And then we was we was also able to hang out with Murray. Murray, tell the folks who you are, man. What's going on? I appreciate being here with y'all today. Murray Woodard. Um, my former role, I serve as engagement manager at the Kaufman Foundation. But uh, as Cornell knows, I show up uh, to this conversation and to this work today as a as a black man, as a father, two beautiful black daughters and an uncle of some amazing black nieces in our school system. So um, that's pretty much who I am. Community organizer at heart. Uh, happy to be here to fellowship with you brothers today. Man, we appreciate y'all coming through, man. KC in the building. And so when we talk about black liberation, man, Chris, we're going to start with you. What, what's your thoughts when you hear that, man? When you hear black people trying to be free, what, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, a lot of things. I mean, so the history of black people in the United States has been a constant history of attempting to achieve freedom, like from the very day one when we didn't have it all the way throughout the years where we had different iterations of it or tastes of it. We have continuously been fighting to be free, and we have tried to do it through education, through economics, through social uh, formation of social organizations, fraternal organizations. We have tried multiple different strategies for freeing ourselves. This podcast, we always talk about education, 
And if education isn't liberation, then it's not education if it's, if it's for us. Because Black education has to be something different than it is for everybody else. It has to be the pathway to self-actualization. And uh, when I hear liberation, first of all, I hear an overused word. And I, I hear an overused concept. Education is liberation. We have t-shirts. We have everything else. But we never really get down to the fine points. Um, um, education, liberation, education, for me, the way that I see it, you should be able to uh, have the self-determination to choose the who, what, when, where, how, and why of education. What you learn, where you learn it, who you learn it from, uh, who you learn it from, how you learn it. All of those questions that are the basics of education. If you are liberated and you are free, then you're the one who, are, who is determining those things. What kind of schools are we going to have? What kind of pedagogy? What are our kids going to learn? What's going to be the black canon? What are, what are the books that every black child is going to have to have in their hand at some point or at different points in their life? Uh, all determined by us. That's liberation to me. And not simply to become educated, but to become a self-actualized human being, meaning you've investigated the questions like, who am I? What do I care about? What are my special talents that God has given me? What are, what's in me that needs to come out of me for, before I die? Like, what are, what's my purpose here? Uh, and if you can answer those questions freely and be yourself, think like you want to think, live how you want to live, that's liberation to me. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to go to the resident doctor. Uh, root us in, 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 in research, man. Ground us out when you hear liberation. What are you, what's your thinking, uh, Dr. Cole? Well, yeah, I like how you be changing questions up for me. I'll be preparing for it one way, but I'm going to just say that. <laughs> uh, I, I actually, I, I, I love what, 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 what Chris said. And sorry, y'all, my Wi-Fi is a little trash, so, so blame this hotel. But, um, you know, the literal definition of liberation is like the act of freeing somebody from, and it was three things. It was uh, imprisonment, slavery, and oppression. So how you keep Black folks out of jail? Well, make sure they can read, make sure they can earn some money and be able to take care of their families and, Jail rates tend to go down significantly, right? And then you talk about slavery, you know what I'm saying? Like making sure that people, we got good living conditions that have our dignity intact um, and folks can kind of have some agency over their life and do the things that they want to do. Their yeses mean yes and their no means no. And then the last piece is oppression, right? And I don't know if we'll ever be fully free from oppression, um, but I hope that we can get to a place where uh, it's good enough and our people can still, you know, push it, push it down, try to, get oppression out of here as much as you can, but to a point where it's not holding us back as much as it has been. So when I think about liberation through a black lens, a black liberation, uh, those are the things that I'm, that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about great education, uh, the ability to work, take care of your families and entrepreneurship or self-determination and self-sustainability. Um, and then finally, just being able to, you know, make sure that we can have our dignity intact. So that's what I think of when I think of black liberation. Bro, the, re the reason why I can throw you curveballs is because you think quick on your feet, man. You I, I appreciate you. that. But I'm a planner. You, man. I'm, a, I'm a planner, though, right? Like, I'll yeah. be showing up. I'll be in this thing 30 minutes beforehand getting my yeah. stuff ready. And then you be yeah. like, yeah, that question that I hey, had. Don't tell you, don't, hey, don't tell them your secrets, bro. Don't tell them your secrets. <laughs> hey, No, it's just so, called preparing. That shouldn't be a secret. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's so, just called so, being thorough. So Cornell, man, when you hear liberation, uh, given the work that you do on a daily basis, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's your thinking? Yeah, uh, proper preparation, right? Prevents poor performance, I think that's what they said. So I appreciate that, man. But Block was founded on this concept of liberation, right? Brothers liberating our communities. 
that word is heavy. We've been working for a long time, five years, trying to just kind of dig out what that word actually means. I can't give you a definition for that. When I think about what it means for me, I think about it being outside the system. I think about it being something different than we've experienced. I think about it being reimaginative. I think about it being creative. I think about it being uh, serving for all people, especially those that haven't been served in the past. Um, liberation is such a complex subject. I love what everybody's what everybody said before. Like this this idea of self actualization, um, how we getting out of imprisonment, slavery. I love this. No means no, and yes means yes, because liberation means we're creating choices for ourselves. I think so many times we say, how many choices do you have? Do you have left, right, or center? Do you have four choices? But are we creating choices for ourselves? That's to me what freedom is, getting out of this box in this cage. That's what's up, man. And so, and we got, we got, so we got Murray on here. Let's, let's not, let's, 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 let's give you the, the, your proper due. I know y'all can't see me right now, but y'all can hear me. It's cool. No, it's, uh, it's, Kind of hard to follow follow those brothers, but what I will say is um, I, I agree with everything I heard. I think when I think about liberation, I think about freedom, um, but I think about freedom across like multiple systems, structures, even individuals that impress us as black people. I think about it from an academic, economic, a social, emotional um, uh, situation. I think about, I mean, I, just hearing about what's happening in, in housing. Uh, banking systems, criminal justice systems, schools, even our our churches and our faith systems. Well, we can talk about that later. But I just I think about freedom to be ourselves, freedom uh, uh, to be safe uh, in our skin. Um, I just yeah. So to me, it's, it's freedom across all of those. And I think about it from both a personal, a professional and even um, um, a, a systemic and structural uh, level. Yeah. Hey, so this week, man, you know, me and Reef were at Edlock. I know Chris wanted to be there, and I and I'm not speaking for Charles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we did learn at Edlock is that we have teenagers that watch this show, right? And so we were like talking to uh, uh we were talking we were talking to somebody, and then somebody came up and was like, "Yo, hey, black hands, can I Facetime my 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 niece? She watches your show, right?" And so. First of all, she don't like the um she don't like the new theme music. She's like she like the old music. She don't like the new the new uh intro. She doesn't like that. I wanted to name that. But um in doing so, what do we think about just like how liberation plays out in schools and if we're giving parents advice to their kids on how to liberate their kids in a school setting? What are we saying to these parents, right? And so, um, Charles, we'll start with you. We know you are heavy in the teenage scene uh, in terms of working with students. So what, what are we saying to kids? I mean, first, I just think that, well, one, they don't, people don't see a show black people love a lot. So I just want to shout out Murray. No, put, put, put them back on the screen. Left, left wrist is chunky on Murray right now. I saw that with the shirt, you know what I'm saying, with the black and gold piece up in this thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't hide it, bro. We, you, you swagged out in this piece. I see it. Don't even trip. Uh, Cornell, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it so funky with you, bro. I was like Ray. Like I didn't see no no info. Like who, where they at? And he was like, Oh, Cornell from Block. I was like, Oh, so he's just a hood dude. I got you. He was like, No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's from. Bro, that's that's purposeful. Yeah, yeah, that's purposeful. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to show y'all love, man. Much, much success to you all. To get to your answer, though, Ray, I think that 
one of the things is, man, you got to wax on, wax off. I, again, I think Chris hit this, and I want to make sure we drive this home. Folks, folks be abusing terminology and not really understanding what it means and that there's layers and stuff to get there. Before you start liberating somebody, I, I would at least want our young people to understand what that means and in context. I think we overuse liberate. I think we overuse, we overuse abolish. Like, I, heard, I hear a lot of stuff about, like, abolitionist teaching. So I'm like, oh, so y'all don't work for the system no more. Y'all have fully left this thing and built something else? Oh, no, you didn't. Uh. That, no, no. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not what that means, right? So, so I think, so with my young people, it's like words matter and understanding those things. But I do try to put in place, okay, do you know how to read? And not just read, but do you know how to read to understand and comprehend and do things with that reading? Do you know how to separate your feelings and emotions to use that experience? But then do you know how to go and research to find facts so you can like not just be speaking out the side of your neck, but you can speak with passion and information because a lot of people will let your kids be wrong as hell. They'll let your parents be wrong as hell and they'll pimp them for their emotions. They'll pimp them for the, the being able to see something, but there's very little substance underneath that. So I try to build true, honest substance with our young people because I don't tell young people what to think. I don't tell parents what to think or communities. I present a set of facts and I present their context and we start there so they can see themselves in it. But then how do they work themselves out of it? How do they work around and try to understand the world as it may pertain to them? And how do they have empathy for, for not just the people that they care about, but for other people and other countries or whatever the case may be. So that's the, I start with starting blocks, but I think that uh, that's liberation and those kind of conversations tend to be, uh, I think there are some levels before that, that, that we got to get right as well yeah chris jump in here man and i'm gonna get to the rest of the parents on here because everybody else is a parent so i mean i i'd love to hear from the guests i <laughs> i know what liberation doesn't look like it doesn't look like having no say in how your day runs and having no say walking in feeling like a captive rather than a client like going into a place where people talk to you like you're less than and uh stand up straight put that thing back on Get down that hallway. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Blah, blah, blah. That's not what liberation sounds like. Here's your worksheets. You, you got eight worksheets you didn't turn in. What's your other worksheets? You didn't, you didn't turn them in. I told you to watch the video. I told you to blah, blah, blah. So, so actually, I haven't seen liberation yet in education, to be very honest with you. <laughs> and, and in four decades of being a parent, I'm still desirous of it, but I'm not expecting it to come anytime soon because these schools, you guys have heard me say this before. Some of these schools run like starter prisons. Right. And 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 kids aren't stupid. So they know when they're not being free. That's why they have like a massive disconnect by about fourth or fifth or sixth grade. They start disconnecting from it and tuning out because they realize this isn't liberation. This isn't freedom. This isn't about me. This is about somebody else. This was built for somebody else. The way y'all talking to me in here is making me like like really want to slap every one of you. Right. I'm, I'm half my day. I spent upset on the inside, but not able to show it because y'all gonna give me some sort of consequence. Uh, stand mm -hmm. up, sit straight, look at me, track. Come, listen, y'all have heard me talk about slant before, right? We have, <laughs> we have all this, we have all this like uh, uh, starter prison behavior in school. So I can't tell you what liberation, maybe liberation is going to that black private school that you always wanted to go to where they, they uh, call you Mr. or Master every day or scholar. And they, they talk to you like your family, like your nephew, and they don't have that edge in their voice. 
like you're some sort of alien. Maybe liberation is is uh, that one classroom that you like to go to because you don't like to go to all your other classrooms, but you know in this teacher's classroom, uh, you can even go there during lunch or other periods and you can find refuge and safe haven. All schools should be like that one classroom that you go to to do that, right? So I don't know what it looks like, Ray. I can't answer your question. I can tell students, uh, you have a right to speak up. You have a right to have some control over what your day looks like. And you have a right when things aren't right to say it, to, to make it plain and, and be damned. Whoever doesn't like it can hear it. And to say the same thing to parents, trust but verify, monitor, ask your kids how their days are uh, and, and, and become an expert on what that day looks like. Yeah, I like that takeaway, man. That's a really good takeaway for parents, uh, for you guys to have engaging conversations with your kids, um, thoughtful conversations that ask them, like, oh, who made you feel safe today? Right. Um, what adult in that building made you feel safe today is a really important uh, question that you should ask your kids on a daily basis. And once it starts to be repetitive in terms of the answers that you're starting to get from those kids, then you need to start reaching out to those teachers that are making your kids feel safe and have dialogue with them about what they're doing and what other people are not doing. But um, Murray, jump in here, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the starter prison uh, uh, language. I love that. Um, I think Cornell could, could attest to it. I probably visited more schools um, in our, not only our Kansas City area, but around the country than a lot of people in our city. And one of the things that I'll say is I agree with Christopher. I haven't seen um, liberation education in any of the schools I visited. I think somebody in the comments said I might have seen individual teachers have seen it in classrooms, but I've, I've not seen it in schools, which leads me to say, as a parent, I don't think we can leave it up to schools to provide that for our kids. I think parents have to have an active role in doing that. So I love the idea of talking to your, your, your kids about who provided a safe space for you. Me and, my, me and my daughter just had this conversation. My oldest daughter, she's a sophomore in high school. Uh, she's never had a black teacher. She's had black substitute teachers, but never okay. had a black teacher. And one of the things she said to me, there was an old lady that walked down the street and said, spoke to her. She was like, baby, you know, just talk to her like she knew her. And she said, I've had substitute teachers that talk to me like that, but none of my actual teachers have ever talked to me this way. There was just a familiarity. There was some, some comfort. There was some uh, relationship in the way that those black women, those substitute teachers talked to her that she had an experience with her teachers and she picked up on that. I thought that was powerful. But then it made me think about a conversation I was a part of back in December. And Cornell, you may have been on this call. Uh, it was a it was a webinar and they were talking about how can we talk about creating these spaces for students when our black teachers in our schools don't have these spaces. We can't we haven't even figured out how to create them for them. And so I thought that was part that stayed with me since that call. That was mm -hmm. damn, we're talking about culturally affirming these, you know, these uh liberation environments for students. And we have it was mad teachers in the comments saying, shit, we don't have that. Hmm. Well, how are we gonna create it for kids? Hmm. And so I think I think that's something we really need to think about. Hey, well, Cornell, that's an excellent segue for you, man. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> I mean, we've been in this fight for a minute. We've been on the block. You know, we've been trying to keep it hot, trying to create these environments that black teachers. Uh, one of my colleagues, Katina Taylor, she's been in the, she's been in the comments all night. Good to see you, sis. These kitchen table talks. How are we sitting down in real spaces? I remember when I first started teaching, you wait till the door was closed. Black teachers wait till the door was closed to get behind closed doors and like exhale and just have a conversation 
that was real. Because otherwise, we were having conversations with our administrators. We have the conversations with our managers. We have the conversations with people that don't look like us about what needs to happen in our classroom, what needs to happen for our kids, when in reality, they don't understand what those things are. Or I'm still over here trying to translate what I know to be true into their language for them. And that leaves, a, again, like the disconnect, disconnect of communication. I heard somebody already mentioned it tonight. Our kids feel disconnected. Teachers feel that same disconnection. I don't know how to do what's best for my kids because you won't let me use the language that I need. I don't know how to engage with my kids the best because you won't let me have the body language that's most comfortable for my kids. I have to close my door to create an environment that my kids feel safe in. So when teachers are able to create these environments, these whole school environments where it's not just a silo of one teacher doing some great work or it's not just a great team of teachers doing great work. But these practices are transferable across multiple grade teams, across multiple schools, across the whole district. We're valuing this black teacher magic. It ain't magic, right? It's actually been documented right now. We know exactly what's happening in this classroom. We just got to make sure other teachers can do it too. Man, I'm, I, you know, the, the funny thing is I'm, I'm looking at the same thing in terms of my dissertation. And so, like, right now I'm, I'm preparing for RRB and I'm thinking in terms of, like, black school leaders in terms of what they do. Um, it's like it's not really captured uh, in, in literature the way that it should be. And so being able to go out and interview principals about their secret sauce in terms of how they engage black parents. Right. And so definitely looking forward to sometime this fall defending that and getting that literature out there so that, you know, we can we can at least have that as like a Bible for like black principals to be able to engage with um be able to show you show us how they engage with parents because a lot of that stuff is not again not captured in literature and we oh. got to understand that that parents are suffering from generational <laughs> un, under under education just like our kids are right like and in kansas city we started to have conversations about parent education about how do we get parents to understand and start thinking about different opportunities in ways that have they have been exposed to in their lifetime right yeah. they also went through trauma in their school buildings yeah so how can we you know, close that secondary trauma gap so that kids and families are having positive experiences at school. Charles. So I love what y'all were saying. I want to start by saying I, I agree with that. The notions that y'all are saying. <laughs> Push <laughs> but us, I man. cannot I cannot conflate the issues of children trapped in classrooms. Mm-hmm. And adults lead in classrooms, especially when teachers have been talking a great game as of late about all this stuff and everything. You can't talk that much <laughs> of a game with your degrees and all that stuff and just say, but I'm scared to say what I need to say and do what I need to do. Like it is there, there is a clear delineation of power. Yeah, but they get in they get scenario. the degrees so that they can bow down. They get those degrees so they can be white hey, adjacent. Listen. And, and I'm going to say this. And, and, and so I started my career as a social worker, which is the inverse of teaching. And I've been in classrooms and in the district, right? But couldn't nobody ever stop me from doing the thing that I felt like I needed to do for my people. And if they would have, I have the means, to, I have, the, I have the, the skills, I have the degrees to kind of leave and go do, some, do something about it. All, all I'm saying, I agree with the notions that we're talking about. But these conversations scare me because we'll be focused and centered on young people, right? The, the, the powerless, the people that got to go there, they got to send their kids there. And maybe some some parents, like you said, Cornell, that may not also have, may not have the highest in education or whatever the case is. But then we transfer that those same feelings to educators 
that can get up and say this and get on Twitter and go at Chris and go at Ray and go at these people and do all this stuff and just to say, but I can't say that in my classroom. No, no, no. If you if that's how you feel, okay. tell me before I put my kid in there. Bro, let me let me just let me do let me do let me just do just really quickly something <laughs> that's not in my character to do, which is to defend teachers right now. I'm not I'm not I'm not going at teachers. Listen, no, wait, no, no, teachers. no, 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 no. I know you're not. I know. I heard what you said, and I'm just saying yes. because a lot of times people feel like I give it to teachers all the time. I give them a hard time. Like I just stop. And you do stop. <laughs> stop talking like you're a martyr because you're not a martyr. Stop talking like you're not college educated and middle class because you are, and your kids aren't on track to be college educated or middle class. So this is class warfare. When you do a bad job, when teachers do a bad job, that's class warfare because we have college educated middle class people actually teaching people who are not on track to become college educated or middle class every day. And that actually and if you if you if your politics as a teacher are to keep them captive in broken down bullshit schools just mm. because that's where your pension is, then you have joined the other team. But for the teachers who haven't joined the other team. Mm. For the teachers who still want to be, who want to do, this is what you need to know as a teacher. You only need one goal as a teacher. Let me tell you what it is. Infiltrate and double cross. Yes. As long as you can remember that, just that is your mission. Infiltrate and double cross. This is not your system. It wasn't built for you. You're going to work in it. Don't become it. Right. Go in there and do what you got to do. But here's my pushback, Charles, just like really quickly, because I it's got not, you. So, so, so it's, I want to clarify because I'm with yeah. you because I'm with you. But I right. know how people hear things outside of this. Right. And, and, and just with everybody listening and watching, I just want you to know, I, I just want to ask you if you grew up with these type of parents. The type of parents that when you was a kid, you would listen to how they would talk about their work and their day. And you would start to learn names over time because everybody was working for racist at some point in their life, right? Like, like right. wherever you worked, there was a yeah. there was a black glass ceiling everywhere. And if you had middle class parents trying to move up the corporate ladder, you heard those discussions over dinner. If they were at the trash department, if they were at the city, if they were at the state government, whatever, as a kid, you was like, damn, I don't ever want to work. Because <laughs> because <laughs> from what y'all say, it's a bunch of BS. It's still like that for a lot of teachers that want to do the right thing. They're dealing with powers and principalities above them that are always trying to hand stuff down uh, that prevents them from doing how they would want to do their work. And Charles, you, me, uh, to some degree, Sharif, we live lifestyles and work lifestyles where we don't answer to somebody all day, every day. We don't have somebody telling us what time to do X and what time we can do Y and trying to pace us out. I wake up when I want to wake up. I start my day how I want to start my day. I, I control my day. I actually manage my calendar. My calendar is mine. If I don't want it to look a certain way, yours is too, Charles. We have this level of It freedom. is now, though. It is, it is now, but I'm just it, saying that, that is rare for Black people and, in, any, in any occupation. Like, we have, I, a, it's rare. So, so, so I, want, I, want to, I want to make sure I clarify. So, again... I'm not saying that what y'all were saying is wrong about educators, right? That stuff happens. And I, it, as a social worker, I used to share data with parents and they'd be like, I don't, that's not really our best practice. I said, that's not your best practice. This parent is trying to get their kid back and got to go in front of a judge. So I want them to know how things are looking. When I worked in the district and Jamoke can attest to this. Hey, I don't know if we want to just go out and give them the raw data on how things are going with their kids. Why the hell don't we? I'm going to do that. And Jamoke did that with me. And we took heat for that up front. But those parents, appreciated us doing that and i made 30 less than thirty thousand dollars as a social worker and not that much at the district the point that i'm making is 
what y'all are saying about teachers and it being tough is not it's not wrong and it's not it's not non-existent i want to be very clear i agree with you my issue is the conflation of kids without power and communities without power adequate power in those moments being on the same level or of of of, of, of being able to do something than educators that if things did get rough and they needed to leave they could they could go have a job somewhere else and for the people in the comments that have people you can feel however you want to feel. I, I just clarify, <laughs> but if people got issues with what I said, then do something about it. I mean, because I feel that way. I'm not going. That's like that's like that's like slaves in the in the field being like, "Yo, this is hard. This is hard." And then a slave owner's been, yeah. I, listen, man, I'm just not about conflating different levels of power when we got kids that are in shelters. We got listen, man. I've been in schools and I've been a social worker. People have called CPS on parents for the little list of things. That's the kind of power you got in that classroom when you think something is happening and we had to investigate. I had to be a part of that. Even if it's unfounded, we had to go and do this. Like there's a lot of power that is possessed by these folks. And just because you're not recognizing or realizing your power, that's a different conversation. But I just wanted to be, I wanted to lay that part flat. So people can tell me if they want to, but I'm ready for it. I know, I know, I, I love that. One, I, I want to start by saying I'm not a classroom teacher, have never been a classroom teacher. I love this idea of infiltrate and double cross. Uh, and, 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 and Charles, Dr. Coco, I believe in giving all black people they props. You got the DR in front of your name, I'm calling you, I'm calling you Dr. Coco. Oh, that thing don't matter, but I got I, you. Go ahead. I rock with it because I ain't got one, so I respect it anytime I see it. And what I will say is, um, um, this idea, though, about power and folk, um, teachers have the, the opportunity, if they don't like what's happening, to get up and leave. My, my issue and my challenge with that is that when people like you who have that mindset, who want to provide this type of education for our kids, get up and leave, then what's left? Who's left in the classroom teaching our kids? So they are in it. So, so those teachers that stay in the fire and stay in the fight and are dealing with these oppressive systems, those are the teachers that I'm talking about. We need them to stay in the classroom, not get up and leave, because the teachers that replace them aren't teachers that care about their little black baby in that classroom, that are not going to speak life into them, that are not going to call on their black student, that's not going to see the genius in them. So I don't want it to be those those teachers that get those teachers that exercise their power to leave. I want to I want to talk about the ones that are that are, that stay behind that do care. Like how do we create how do we create a, a our own system, not fix this one that's a Impressive to us, but how do we create our own system where they can do that? That's that's what I'm talking about. I don't mm -hmm. think I got you. Teachers that stay behind all the time are not always motivated by the best options. Agree, right? Agree. Right. Teachers, that, teachers that stay behind are often like rooted in oppressive mindsets, mm -hmm. bias, prejudice, or staying behind for miscalculated or misguided reasons. And then that's my point. I, I just, that's I, and my point. The ones that do leave, you leave. I, you get what I'm saying. You left. A teacher like you, this black man who walk around, they got the same hairstyles I can speak their language. I'm talking about the classroom. Them I'm in there. Do. I teach still. Come Them on, man. Bounce. I they teach bounce still. and go do their own thing. I'm talking about I'm talking about you staying. And we've you and I have had this conversation. Right. So I'm what talking I'm saying about is, what I'm saying is teachers that, that we don't we don't need we don't we don't need teachers that stay for the wrong reasons. The kids are the right reasons. That's what yeah, I'm some, people, some people don't stay because of those kids. Some people stay Agreed. because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a paycheck. It's got good benefits or whatever. Teachers like, that leave. Summer, summer's off. Teachers that, teachers that leave are oftentimes more fed up and not willing 
to participate and perpetuate the systems that they've been a part of. You're looking at a guy right now. I'm the same way. My calendar is my calendar. I set my own calendar. I wake up when I want to wake up. I got two kids. I work from home. I'm loving on my daughter all day. You know what I'm saying? I had to give something up for that, right? But that's liberation in my sense. Like, that. that's my work liberation. For you. But what about them kids? Like, that's what I keep talking What about the kids, though? Yeah, you so get right. to wake up at what time you want to wake up. That's right. fine for you. But I'm talking about them kids that was in the classroom. How do we talk about creating a, a liberative education for them outside of that? That who who said it? The the pre? What'd you say? Yeah, man. To me, all all full time teaching is not sustainable. For me, we 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 on the track to not create systems in schools that require teachers to be in a building for twelve hours a day. I'm looking at engineers from J.E. Dunn to come in and teach math. I'm looking at scientists from Cerner to come in and teach chemistry. You in a, you in a classroom for four hours a day, then you dip out to be able to do your own life. To me, liberation, like I said before, liberated schools is not something we've seen before, first of all. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's completely different and outside the box structure that we've experienced. For, for some oh, we of busting us, we can't, we can't even we imagine. We busting a day. Yeah. Hey, but listen, Ray, but, Ray so, you did a good job. I know. I, I'm sorry, Ray, because we in this. I'm, I'm in it with him. I'm in it with him. Like, first off, your guest is on fire, and you're doing a, you're doing a hell of a job with this episode, Ray. What I'm, what, I agree with what Cornell is saying, though, man. Listen, let's stop. Before you can talk about li- trying to teach my kids liberation, I need some of y'all to know how to teach how to read. I need you know how to teach how to do math. You're trying to skip some steps, and you're not even good at your job yet. When I was a social worker, you can try to do all this extra stuff, fam. I need you to get the safety check right. Did you check the water temperature? Did you did you check all the, the minor things so we can make sure a kid is not being abused? And most of for me, the vast majority of my best teachers were not in classrooms. Like let like let's stop acting like that. Let's stop acting like the the best the teachers sit at the front off, desk. You know? Checking people at the in. Desk. They at the boys club. They on the block. They coaching. They in your church. They like we gotta start having school boosters because if we gotta Let's just go. if we have to just depend on the schools, then we are we are effed up. We gonna have yeah. a lot of problems. And so Cornell, I felt what you were saying. Murray, I got. I, I'm loving this dynamic, but sorry, I know Ray, you you trying to moderate, but hey, you know, I'm, hey. I'm with it. So so now we but we talking about what else? Because like I said, we're not getting it in our classrooms. I agree right. with you totally. We're talking about what else? But yeah, Murray, so what else? trying to put but Murray, Murray, we're trying to put rims on some tires that's flat, B. Like, hey, <laughs> you, the tires first. You know what? You know, but our kids, I, I'm talking about where our kids are, though. Like, well, why are we I, even I, talking I, about tires still? Sounds great. Why are we even well, talking about tires? Great, but right now, our kids are there. That's tires are obsolete. I'm talking about flying cars. Oh, no, 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 this, no. We get this. Cars. What's a tire? What's a rim? Cornell, I'm, tell you, I'm saying, how many times? I want to tell, I, I tell y'all what, I, no what I'm hearing in this discussion. Yeah, what are you hearing? So a pessimist says the glass is half full, right? An optimist says the glass is uh, 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 half full. I'm sorry. Pessimist says the glass is half empty. Optimist says the glass is half full. The realist says, but... Is pee in the glass, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it don't it don't matter whether it's half full or half empty. It's just pee. So, so I, I see person in glasses. So so I I, I hear <laughs> I hear Murray as as a, as an optimist of like this is where our children are right now. We got to do the best for them that we can while they're going to be in the care because they're going to be there every day. I hear one of the brothers here saying 
yeah, who's more of a pessimist about that system. That system is not structured for the educators to do their best work and the best job. And it's not sustainable over time. It's going to burn good people out, period. And I think it's getting more like that. Actually, it's getting less and less likely that good liberatory teachers are going to stay in the classrooms. But our kids are still going to be there. They're still going to be every day waking up, walking into buildings with, with trash teachers. Charles's thing of, yeah, but whether it's half full or not is pee, right? Like so, so, so that is actually a call to action on we have to start developing additional spaces for our children to learn, whether those are full-time or, or part-time, whether it's educators who are liberatory starting their own schools, not just saying I quit, but saying I quit this system exactly. while I create a different system, right? Uh, there, a charter used to supposed to mean it was a driver's license for educators to start their own thing. That's yeah. what a charter was supposed and, to be. And that that you know, went so poorly so, that they're that they're trying to kick them out of the. Well, I don't know. Listen, I'm gonna say I don't know that it went poorly for everybody. It went poorly for some people and others not. Because you know what, a driver's license doesn't mean everybody's gonna be good drivers. It just means you have the ability to do it, right? And the same thing with private schools. There have been some black private schools that have started. You know. Uh, in the aftermath of all of our black private schools getting wiped out in the 1970s, because we had lots of independent black schools in the aftermath of that, some other ones have arrived. So there are some newer ones, some small ones, not a lot. It's not to scale. But listen, Charles has said this a lot of times. Our children are going to be in a lot of different places. There's lots of opportunities to learn. And if we're not maximizing all of them, we're not doing our job because we know for sure the six to eight hours that they spend at a school site every day is only going to get so much work done. It's only going to get so many things done. Charles has said this before. He learned how to talk and how to give speeches in church. He learned how to uh, um, uh, interact with people and cooperate on the basketball court and in the Boys and Girls Club, right? Like he had all of these uh, substantial supplanting educational uh, possibilities that actually I, I feel like a lot of those have died. Yeah, like well, a, I, you know, we're not in those places anymore. I was no, about to say, yeah, we've lost. We're not going to churches. We're not in churches the way we used to be. I just talked to uh, the the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club here. They ain't showing up there like they used to, but they are mandated to go to school. So, like, that's the piece that I'm talking about. Like, I get it. I agree with you. You you can we can get it anywhere, but they're mandated to be in this place. <laughs> they're going to this place, and I don't think right now we can just say screw it. Let that it's let it suck. That's right. We got too many black kids there. I think that's right. And, and listen, and I'm not saying let it suck. I'm saying get let's get some nuts about ourselves, and when it do suck, let's do something about it. I'm saying oh, we that agree. I gotta get. We What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that we got a lot of people trying to skip steps. Is what I'm saying. I'm saying that a lot of people that is trying to fix schools and is trying to fix teaching. It's like when I play basketball. It's like, hey man, you can try to go through your legs and cross over and do all that stuff, but you can't make a layup, bro. Focus on the layup. Focus on the layup. So it is. I think that it is. I think that it is wrong. I think it is adding to a culture war. Just like you got to be a liberatory teacher. You gotta, first, you got to be a teacher. First, you got to be able to do your thing well. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, and I think, and I'm not saying that I don't want those things. Are you teaching kids how to think, or are you teaching kids how to think what you want them to think? Like, how do you do that? Are we giving kids two different type of texts? Are we saying this is where the culture war is, and here go the facts? Where are you landing that? Talk to me. Have an argument with me. Like, the, mm -hmm. debating might have been one of the best and worst things I've ever done. Because with debate, you get a topic at the beginning of the year, and you don't know if you're the affirmative or the negative. And now I can't look at the craziest thing in the news without trying to look at both sides and trying to get all the facts, right? Like, but are we bringing that type of critical thinking back 
and instead of just trying to build foot soldiers for whatever movement we have subscribed to, if I'm a super conservative, if I'm super liberal, it's like, yo, are we teaching kids how to take in information and come up with a sound decision on their own that's not fully led with emotion? But Charles, you sidestepping one thing here, brother. So I, I need I need you to go head on in this. Go head in on this one. You said I just need you to be a good teacher first, right? Yeah. Just stop skipping steps. Okay, okay, granted. Let's say you are that teacher. Right. You're that good teacher. Now deal with all of the BS that that teacher has to deal with just Absolutely. to teach, just to teach during the day, just to be a good teacher. Absolutely. Right? Like, let's not assume. Like what? Let's let's name it. What what are, what are those? Yeah, things yeah. yeah. And, for, and first okay. of all, even like you have to define let me, let me what good it. means, right? Because that's going to define what issues this teacher is yeah. coming up against. Yeah. Okay, but let, let me let me because we didn't talk about a lot of teacher, 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 teacher on this show. Yeah, and 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 Ray gets to hide out. Let me tell you one one thing. Bad principles. <laughs> Admin, Bad principles. Admin. Terrible <laughs> principles. Horrible yeah. ass principles. I've been teaching for a long that, time, hey, dog. Hey, I'm, I'm, not, hey, I'm not hiding now. That ain't that ain't me. I'm good. Principles, principles that can lead out a paper bag. You run in schools. Can't teach nothing. Right? Okay. Run in schools. How ain't never that? been able to teach but, shit. But, but, Ain't but you know what though? You know what? That's that speaks to that speaks to a larger conversation of who we're allowing to run schools, right? Because like right. you know, if you if you are, I, I feel like you ha you need to have you need to have some. First of all, you need to have some skin in the game in order to be a principal of any kind of school, right? And so what I mean by that is we have folks that are coming out that have uh, taught for two years, no shots at any organizations that are preparing these folks and whatnot. But like legitimately being a teacher for two years did not give you enough skin in the game to have a conversation with someone that has been teaching for 10 to 12 years, right? There's no way that you can go into that classroom and coach that person on how to be a better teacher and you don't have experience with being a good teacher. Right. Or to and support so, that person. You can't support yeah. them. You don't know how to run a budget. You don't know how to run a school. You sit in your yeah, office is, all day this, and this no one happening. can find you for it's, half the Chris, day. Right. Chris, you know, listen. it's happening a lot. Talk about it's happening it. a lot. And but it's happening a lot. But we gotta we gotta name this though. It's it's happening in charter schools. Is yeah, well, it's in the microcosm of the yeah, of the administrative leadership. It's not just charter, but the microcosm is what's happening from the administration is the instructional is instructional leadership. So, yeah, so, so you're so, right. The uh, principals, the principals are disconnected from the actual school because they ain't taught in ten years, and yeah. that. But they, what they do is they hire people that look like them and that whose genius they recognize to be instructional coaches, instructional leadership. That's which then Creates, which creates a microcosm of the same oppressive tendencies and the shitty ass leadership that the principal is. All right. So, so, so let, let me jump in for, real, real quick. Real quick. I want to clear. I want to make a clarifying statement. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, please do, please do, because that's so when, when, when I when I say when right. I say this, let me let me just say this: if you are a if you are a teacher who has been teaching for two years, it is an easier pathway to the principalship through a charter school or a charter network than it is through a traditional public school. And the reason why I say that is because not very many people are going to look at you in a traditional public school if you only have two years in. Of of, uh, of 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 being a teacher. Plus, there are all kinds of other things that you need to have in a traditional public school, like certification in leadership. That's going to take you more than two years in order to get union that membership, yes. rubbing elbows yes. with certain people type shit. Yes, yes, that's Principal, what I was saying. Principal yeah, Cafele in the in the in the comments says, uh, if you have. If you haven't taught at a high level, you have no business leading a school. How do you lead a school instructionally when you don't know the classroom, right? Listen, man, multiple classrooms. 
person. I would say person, like you need to be you need to be have have have, have leadership uh, uh, experience leading multiple classrooms, leading an entire floor, leading as a vice principal. I would say the vice principal and assistant principal's jobs are trash in most systems. Mm-hmm. But if All we right. have when you have instructional leaderships as in, in, assistant principals and and assistant principals, that even gives you even more of this experience that Principal Kafele is talking about. Yeah, so, so look, real, 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 real quick, go ahead, go ahead, let us let me bring us back because I want to get oh. I want to get Principal Kefele some love, but go oh, ahead. yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, do that, do that, do that. That man, no, I, I, yeah, I just I, I think he's a beast, I think he is incredible Absolutely. at what he does. Just from yeah. you, you know, you but you got to start checking people's jackets. But he's talking, we're having two different conversations though. Are we having a conversation of what should be or what is? Because I'm telling you, as somebody who's worked in a public traditional system, is that is not how it goes. It is like we are struggling. We can't keep these teachers here or whatever. This person was shining in his one and a half years, two years or whatever. We got to retain this person. We putting them on this track. Like, That's I'm just right. saying, like, there's two different type of conversations we tend to have. And yeah. sometimes I'll be having conversations about what is and other folks be having conversations about what should be. And I look like this, like, super negative person. But our yeah. kids are in this system right now, stuck with it. And yeah. so what do we do? And then I'll come back to that afterwards. So, Ray, I, well, you I have, you have to have that second conversation, though. Those are different conversations. To you, me. You, you have to, but but you can't conflate the two. Like conflation is my key word today. That not is conflating. My the, only way that, word. the only way that you have improvement in schools is by talking about what's not working and, and then doing some diagnostics and for, no. some forensics on it and then having interventions into it. That's how what you I'm saying education. these conversations, but a lot of these conversations, because you engage in a lot of these on Twitter, when people are coming at you, they're talking about the way things should be. And you're talking about the way things are, is what I'm saying. I'm saying that oftentimes in these high, high level conversations, there are two people having two different conversations. And I just need to make sure that we are grounded in what we're talking about. We're talking about what should be. I'm having a fully different conversation. But if I'm talking about the kids in Oakland at the school behind me, if I'm talking about the schools that I went to, I'm telling you that it is... Listen, man, I went from showing up out of school one week, having an accident, being marked to go to special education. Then I read out loud. And on that Friday, I was put in the gate program. Is that a, is that a system that should be in charge of kids? No, I'm just saying, no, man, no, but, we're talking we're, about but, we're what is, that. but that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, but what is the value of having a conversation about what should be if we can't create it? If we don't have nuts, like you said, to stand up and create it. What's the yeah. point of talking right. about what should be? Hey, so I mean, no, listen, if you, if you have bad principles, you're going to say you have bad principles. If you have principles that can't get trained or whatever, you're going to say that. If you have teachers that don't know their content or whatnot, you're going to say that. But yeah. you're going to do something after you say that. Right. At, like, like, it's not enough to just, you know, like, listen. So so I said at the beginning of this show, our kids are in starter prisons. They're, they're, it's not liberation. It's not liberatory or whatnot. But you got to go beyond kind of just saying that. Like, because we know that we know that part. But what are the what are the what is the plan to improve teaching and learning to improve? Yeah, what's a plan? How, instruction are you a plan? How are you improving prison? What's a plan to improve a prison? I mean, you start. Listen, you better have a plan to improve prisons. Because hey, right now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prison reformer. Step one is to burn it down. No, no, bro. There's some so, other steps before you burn down because you'll end up in that prison. Right now, we have a national prison reform movement, and actually, there's a lot yeah. of steps that we should all be taking. Yeah. Like, so before man, you burn down, experiments. I love that podcast. One man experiments. Right. Before yeah. we segue into answers. 
before we segue Sorry, into right. burning principles down, <laughs> I too want, <laughs> I too would like to give a shout out to Principal Cafele. Uh, Cafele, I'm supposed to be coming on to the assistant uh, principals thing that you do on YouTube. I haven't seen my invite yet. I'm seeing a lot of other people get invited. I don't know how to feel about this. Let me know what's going on, bro. All right. So segueing into what we want to talk about next, community-based organizations. How can we partner with community-based organizations, the ones that help me, the ones that help Charles, the ones that help so many others uh, get past what we weren't getting in the classroom and getting that additional help and push? Uh, what, are, what are we looking at in terms of our school boosters? Charles, starting with you. Uh, yeah, man. I, I So that's what I do believe in. I, that was the point that I was coming to, and I think that was a great segue, uh, Ray. This conversation has to be expanded beyond teachers and beyond schools to like our community because the same nonprofits in your neighborhood that's down the street from your school getting the same tax breaks that that, that that school is. So the same heat you got for teachers, the same heat you got for bad principals, you need to, hey, yo, how's my boys and girls club showing up? How's this one showing up? How are these happening? And I think that we need actually more school boosters. I think that when you get into building schools, there's just a set of politics that you are into that you did not sign up for. And Chris's whole existence and like the work that he does is, look, man, y'all got to start fighting this war, even though you don't want to, because these right. folks are coming at you. So yeah. why don't we start building boosters that get to be a bit more apolitical, that really get to focus on young people in the way that they need to be focused on? Because our young people and, and often, especially our black boys, let me just say this again, especially our black boys tend to trust those boosters way more than they trust that school culture. There's a coach, y'all was, I, in the comments, I saw them kind of talking about our language and stuff like that. And I had to, I wanted to push back in because there is a way that a football or basketball coach talks to a young man on that field or on that court that actually gets in in a different way. And I respect that person. I look at that person. We need our community. Our community has to have some skin in the game and some responsibility about what happens to our kids. So the way you support those is you see what they're doing. You ask how they need support and you ask how you can hold them accountable. What was their mission to do? And if there's some expansion that can happen there, you support them in that. But we have to start including them in this conversation. It ain't just teachers. And it, I don't, honestly, I'm almost even off schools, if I'm going to be real with you. Like not off in the sense that they have to happen by law. In the way that we previously is, seen them, yeah. Yes, I think that there are other things that we can be doing because I'm telling you, that boys club had so much more respect than Lafayette Elementary School, so much more respect than Lowell uh, Middle School when I was a kid. It's not even funny. If, if you messed up at school and you, got, and you got banned or kicked out for a day or two, I've seen the <laughs> hardest cats, I've seen the hardest boys that used to slap people up at lunch damn near cry because they couldn't go to the boys club and shoot pool to play basketball. We have valuable things that our kids respect in our communities, and we have to continue to lift those up. Man, as we, we talked a little bit earlier about, about Sunday school, about church, and about you know how folks are just not going to church. I know for me, that was super important for me because Sunday school was an extension of the school week for me. Um, I had special educators that were teaching me on Sundays, and like we had meticulously planned lessons, and I looked more, I looked forward to the homework that I was given from Sunday school more than I looked forward to the homework I was given from actual school. Right. And so I don't know what that means, but like, I don't know how we like build black better to get people back into the churches to having these meaningful conversations about. Don't do, don't do it, bro. Don't say no? it. Don't, don't. Oh, no, damn. He's no, 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 no don't. You're not, no. you can't build black better. No, well, I mean, well, uh, Jesus, uh, 
We all need Jesus. We we need Jesus. I'm lost. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but, yeah. but, but but go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Finish finish. Bill hey, Black. Hey, oh, oh, Bill oh, Black. Oh, 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 I'm I'm saying, just point, I, don't, I don't. I didn't get it. So finish your point. I want to hear what you're. Oh, you're my, my 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 point is is that if we have black te- mm-hmm. if we have more black teachers that are centered in the neighborhood and these are church going folks and we're uh and, and these folks are invested <laughs> in in our in our kids <laughs> and they're teaching. At Sunday school, in order to extend days, they're doing vacation Bible school over the summer and doing all these things that are creating safe spaces uh, rooted in God. Can for we kids not to sit here and act like Christianity is the safest space of all time? Like, Black Christianity is not no, a safe space. No, that's, no, that's I, not what I, I'm I, saying. I don't say that, Ray. I, I'm not saying that. that though. But, okay. but it could be a it could it could be a, it can be a safe space. Um, <laughs> so if you have a so for example, if you have a, a, a multi-denominational church that accepts uh LGBTQIA plus communities or whatever, like those are safe spaces for all kids, in my opinion, rooted in God. And mm-hmm. so I know that mm-hmm. our black mm-hmm. churches have their problems and their issues. Yeah. We're gonna do a we're gonna do an episode on that. It's gonna come. Um well, and so yeah. Go, go well, ahead. You're right. Like, let's be clear, yeah. right? Like yeah. We, black people from the very beginning, right? School was Sundays, the only day we had off. And, you know, white folks carried their guns to church. And the slaves on the plantation got together with other slaves on nearby plantations. And we had church. This is the first place that we had access to books and words and thinking and reading, right? We we snuck off to be able to engage in these types of learning practices. The, Katina says this all the time. Let's not act like brand new we've been teaching ourselves for a long time absolutely, absolutely. we've been engaging in our own self but but I, but, but, but I heard i heard something different from ray and ray can i take a crack at it because i yeah or maybe yeah. And, and if and if i'm just putting words in my feel free to feel free to stop me or i'm i don't think i'm not i don't think he's saying and i wouldn't say that that religious institution is the, the end all be all i don't even it don't even about you being religious I'm talking about entities right. that our communities used to respect yes. taking back mm-hmm. their neighborhoods. So, for instance, I'm Baptist, but the brothers, uh, the Bay family in Oakland, the Muslim bakery, folk, the folks from the, the black Muslims in Oakland, they were out on the street corner as we were going to school saying, hey, it's time for you to get to class. Hey, don't talk to that young girl over there and protecting our girls and protecting our boys and making sure we got in on time. And guess Create what? The community. You didn't talk back to them, brothers. You didn't talk right. back to those brothers. I didn't have a problem with the Jew. Like, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, and it don't even have to be the religious institution. Right, I use right, those right. because, and people should do some research on what's called the invisible institution. That's what you're talking about, Cornell. The invisible mm-hmm. institution was that first institution that black mm-hmm. people came to under the this guise collective of group, and there had, and it had, and there were, but there were, there were uh, themes, and there were codes because <laughs> right. even in our church services, there was still an overseer watching or right. whatever. So they had to put codes in it. So what I, what I saw you saying, Ray, was this ain't about converting you to Christianity or yeah, Islam right. or Judaism. Right. Absolutely. It is about Absolutely. saying our, our communities were not. Listen, y'all. There is no silver bullet. It shouldn't be just the school boosters. It shouldn't just be the schools. With our kids and our communities being under attack, you need to tap into everything. For one kid, it might be that teacher at that school, and it might be the one teacher that's doing it. For another kid, it might be the boys' club. It might be a coach, or it might be that church is all I'm saying. And, like, we are not in a position where we can be like, well, that's the one thing I'm putting my, 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 my chips in. I'm going all in on that stock. And if you go all in on that one stock with the little resources you got and your yeah. most precious baby being that resource, you're going to lose because the house always wins and it's been kicking our ass. So come up with a new plan. Stop gambling <laughs> with your baby, man. 
<laughs> Fact. Hey, yeah, I, oh, I, hey, I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think one of the things, though, we also have to hold those those organizations accountable too. The same I, way I said, I'm talking about said, our what yeah. we see, in particularly with some of our our churches, we just gonna go on and say it. Like young people today have watched their communities deteriorate and have watched their grandmothers and grandfathers continue to put money in their building fund, but not see them dollars come back into their community. They've not seen them doors open and to provide whatever services they need, food, after school programs, reading. They haven't seen that. So we talk about what the church used to be during slavery. We talked about what it was during Reconstruction, but young folk are saying it's not showing up like that today. So we do need to start holding some of them organizations accountable. We also need to hold some of them poverty pimps and some of these other organizations accountable too. Some of these coaches that got these sports programs that are not breathing life into our young black boys, that's just as violent and tearing them down as any other system we need to hold them accountable too so and and, and lastly i think we also just at some point we got to get real about just a black agenda i agree with you it can't we have to we have to fight this on all fronts. It can't just be schools. It has to right. be include our faith organizations. It has to also include some of our other community organizations. It got to be for me. It was dudes on the block that was outside the liquor store. They weren't a part right. of no organization. But when they saw you clowning, you snap right real quick. They wasn't in no boys. Look, like we know, little Murray. We know, little Murray got potential. We all it was old get little Murray out of here. Saw something in you. They made sure you wasn't you wasn't showing. If something was about to go down, they made sure you wasn't in the way. It was them for me. And I want thousand percent agree. Out in our schools, how do you bring them in our buildings? But we don't value them in our communities. We didn't want to see them that way. That's a lot. That's a, for another podcast y'all can do down the road. But I think we also need to hold those those systems accountable as well. Hey, y'all KC boys came through, man. I'm feeling it, man. <laughs> hey, we definitely gonna have to bring 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 KC back, man. Hey, and y'all and y'all had some folks jealous for uh for not being on here and y'all being the first ones from KC on the show too. I'm not gonna call them out, but I'm just I'm just saying. Hey. Yeah. So hey, we're gonna roll in the, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna roll into closing thoughts. We'll start with uh with Chris. We'll end with the guests. Chris, what's your closing thoughts, bro? Man, so this this was a great hour. There was a lot to think about, uh, and this was a <laughs> kind of a fire show. Uh, a couple of things. One, you know, just uh, a side note on the Christianity and the religious um, religious study, whatever. I would ask people to go and look up look up the research of what happens when a kid goes to church once a week to their academic performance, and then look at what happens when they go twice a week uh, to church, Wednesdays and Sundays. What happens to their academic uh, performance? You can say whatever you want about Jesus and about God and about the Christianity and the history of Christianity and our churches and everything else you want to say. But uh, the academic achievement of kids who actually go to church uh, once or twice a week actually is substantially different than than other kids who do not. So make of that make what you want of that. I know what I feel about that, but I'll let others uh, make what they want of it. The other thing is like, listen, so my final thought on this is 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 twofold. Number one, we have to be able to chew gum and walk at, at the same time, which means there is no single solution. There's no single silver bullet. Um, but our kids are going to school every day for, for four to five to six to seven hours of the day. So we should have lots of interest and concern about what happens throughout that day and hold people uh, to account for what they're supposed to do, not just general accountability, but to account for what they are paid to do uh, and be very interested in that. 
there's a lot of teachers can't get in get in contact with parents every day or whatnot. So let's stop talking this fantasy world where we're doing all that we possibly can, but they're just not getting it done. We need schools to do a better job. We need the nonprofit industri industrial complex to earn their keep and do a good job. But notice in all those people that we said hold accountable, the two people that we didn't really say we should hold accountable are the mother and the father, right? So parents, you are not off the hook because I know where all my kids are right now at this moment. And if I don't, if there's a blind spot that I have, my wife knows where they are right now. And I'm not going to say that my family is different or, or better or your family is, is doesn't have challenges or whatever. All I'm going to say is I've had a variety of circumstances in my life as a child, as a young parent, as an older parent, and as the parent that I am today. And I, I just got to say, like, uh, accountability, you can't keep pointing fingers in all different directions if it's not starting at home and then starting with neighbors and then starting with neighborhoods and communities and with the race overall. We can't keep pointing in every other direction about our children. We're all responsible for every single one of them, too, not just your own. Right. I'm responsible for your kids. Right. Listen to this. So I need to actually be showing up in ways uh, that goes beyond just what I need to do for my own kids. So my bottom line here is all of this has been great conversation, but our kids are going to exist in multiple different hands throughout the day. We want all of them to be good at what they do, to be strong. And we need to be able to trust it and verify it, like with some sort of objective data that it that it's working. But most provocative thing I could say to us right now is. We keep sidestepping who's really responsible for children, like who's really going to be accountable for them. And if we keep pointing to external bodies who aren't their parents, then we might just might as well expect the, a lot of the problem to keep happening. Yeah, thanks for that, man. That was dope. Uh, Charles. Man, first off, love our guests. Absolutely love them. And I definitely ain't sidestepping. And I've said, you know, parents did in the beginning, my parents were very bad at they, their duties and that. I, I have no issue saying that. My grandmother picked up a lot of that slack. My thing is this. With, with the type of attack our kids, our families, we are under, you got you to gotta unload the full clip. So that means teachers, I, listen, man, if you need me to bring you cake, coffee, you need, you need pencils, and that's what's going to help, great. The principal need me to show up when I can? Okay, cool. Hey, the boys, like, unload the clip. I know this. Ray and I are friends. We argue a lot. But even if, if I had a son and I was just frustrated, I know that I'd be like, hey, man, I'm about to send you some bread. That boy coming to you for a week. And it's like you got to commute. You got to unload the clip to make sure that your kid gets what they need, man. We not. I'm so sick of these politics. I'm so sick of, oh, well, you can't hurt teachers feelings and you can't hurt principals feelings. And you can't I, we can't call out these people. We can't do this, man. If you're doing a good job. Great. But everybody needs help. Our kids are under attack. And if you start. I'm not thinking about this from the concept as a school, as nucleus. I'm thinking about this as child, as nucleus, as community, as nucleus. That means you utilize and support any and everything. You hold any and everything accountable. You have a high bar for what you want to see around somebody that you love. I'm so sick of this over, this over political state around every single conversation while kids are dying. Mm -hmm. While kids are dying. I have, I have buried children. As a social worker and as an educator, I have buried children. I, so I don't care if, like, I say something and you got and, and you get to take something off and you get a good salary or you don't, you feel it ain't good or whatever the case is, you're going to be all right in the, man, in the grand scheme of things. I'll end it with this, man. There's a lot going on with, like, this Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. I just use it as a euphemism. Like, 
I, I love both of those cats, and it's hard, man. But the issues that those two brothers are dealing with, your kids are dealing with every single day. The pressures of being a black male or, or a black female or the mental capacities or having to have these type of pressures or not having the right support or whatever. Them rich brothers is going to be okay. Are you checking in with your own kids? Are you checking in with your son? Like, man, t- what happened in your day-to-day? Talk to me about what you're seeing. Are you checking in with your little girl? Like, hey, tell me, tell me what made you smile today? What made you feel uncomfortable? Like, we don't even know the people in our own family. So to end on your point, Chris, and to, and because you, we did, we may not have gave it enough attention, you, you dictate those conversations, you know what I'm saying? And if they ain't talking to you, then find somebody in your circle that they will talk to. But that's your responsibility. That's your baby. And I don't want to hear about you giving up on it, man. Hey, hey, Josh, keep the screen on him. Move to the left. Move to the left. No, no, no. Keep the screen on him. Move to the left. Because you had you shot at Murray out. You looking at Murray's arm. I'm looking in the background. Oh, yeah. that's, a real, that's a real big thing in the background back there. It's a black backpack and some, and, 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 and some headphones. Why don't you move on, brother? Ray always trying to get me robbed and shit, man. Like, what's up with you, bro? Like, you niggas be talking about my... Man, y'all are talking about my car. Like, y'all gotta stop. Y'all, y'all don't understand, huh? Murray and Cornell, y'all... I need y'all to tell ain't me... Nobody, ain't, ain't nobody that's gonna do that hey, watching the black man, hands stop, at Cornell, Cornell, Hey, hey, get out my pocket. I told y'all what, what I think of Ray pocket. already. I told y'all what I think of Ray already. Hey, I, hey Cornell, jump in here. What, what's good? I, y'all, y'all know I'm from the block. I told y'all what I think of Ray. <laughs> Uh man, I I can't I can't even put together a fathomable last thought for this type of conversation. It's it's just it's, it's so many things to put my stake into as an educator. I I have a lot of some issues with things that have been like I don't think it's anybody's fault. I don't think we can put the onus on on one group of people, whether it be parents or teachers or. Church members, Chris. I'm a guy that went to church three times a week. No, I I agree with that data. I, I understand as a as a Baptist church member that that Kansas City, those watching Kansas City, understand this right. Like, this is a very tight knit educational community that started foundationally um, in the church. Right. Uh, my parents took me there, but I had cousins that were with us. My parents uh, were taking care of them. Right. My aunts and uncles was out here in these streets. You know how it is. Right. So as aunts and uncles, as cousins, what was my responsibility to ensure that my cousins were running with me as opposed to running with somebody else? You know, there's so many variables. And and as as much as we would like to point fingers at people, as much as we would like to feel guilty as teachers, as parents, as community members, we always have to remember that it's, it's, it's all of us. It's Ubuntu. Like I said, like it, there's there's no silver bullet, like you all have been saying. We have to attack this on all fronts as a person who still teaches but also is out here in the community. That's that's my multifaceted approach, right? How are we doing things that are attacking kids from this? I think they call them wraparound services, right? It's a fancy word that we like to think about the whole kid environment. It's not anything new or inventive. It's just taking care of kids. And when we're taking care of our own kids and not other people's kids, you know, then we'll get to a place. I think so. I'll just cut it there. Glad to be here with you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Murray, jump in here. 
Yeah, first, I'd just like to say, man, I, I thank you, brothers, for opening up this space and allowing us to, to come in here and, and chop it up with you all uh, a little bit today. Um, I agree with you, Cornell, and that uh, we're not here to uh, assign fault. But uh, I will talk about responsibility, and I think it's our responsibility, us as black leaders. Um, my, my final comments is I don't think nobody's coming to save us. When, when we talk about liberation, um, we talk about freedom. People always talk about, you know, who comes to free. Nobody's coming to save us. And, and when I think about historically, we've asked for help from the oppressor. We ended up in a worse position than we were in before. So um, it's going to be up to us to liberate ourselves. And while I am a black parent that does worry about my daughters, my black daughters and how they navigate this educational system. It's also important for me as a black man to care about how other black daughters are out here navigating this system. And so when I say it's our responsibility, I mean that it's not just little a advocacy, me advocating for me, mine and my house. But we got to start thinking about us as a community and thinking about the we. I care about the other kids, even in the schools that my kids are not in. Um, we're going to have to come together and we're going to have to do better as a community. We're going to have to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to have to uh, be critical and be OK to have conversations just like this. Institutions that are not serving us well, even our own, we're going to have to hold them accountable. And um, I mean, I, I can't say nothing else other than it's, it's on us. We it's, we going to have to liberate ourselves. Especially our own. We got to hold our own, especially accountable. Yeah. And so, man, in, in, in thinking about this, show, absolutely. And thinking mm -hmm. about the show, there were several things that came to mind. I definitely want to name it like, you know, I, I rock with y'all. Y'all took care of us when we came down to Kansas City. And so it, more than grateful of, of giving of, of, of having the opportunity to be in community with y'all tonight. Appreciate y'all. Uh, also, I want to shout my man out. We ain't talked about him the whole time. I want to shout my man, Big Reef out. He's promoting Reef. behind the scenes. Right now, he's in an undisclosed location getting things done for kids like how he does, right? So I want to make sure that, you know, I, I, I shout that man out. He's not going to be here for the next uh, couple of weeks. But uh, I'm going to hold him down because that's my guy, right? We all going to hold him down because that's our guy. And so uh, shout out to Reef uh, tweeting, live tweeting and doing what he's doing right now, man. I miss him. But I was with him for three days. And with being with him for three days, um, I learned a lot, as I always do. Um, bro, your camera doesn't want you to be excellent today. Cointel no, really yeah, my camera wants me to be you today. <laughs> Cointel Pro is all up in your camera today, bro. Man, yeah. <laughs> hey, but anyways, thank you guys for listening to the Eight Black Hands yeah. podcast. Uh, we'll we, we will check you guys uh, next week Sunday.